This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! Welcome to a Men in Blazers pod special with our guest. Oh, he's only one of American soccer's brightest young stars, a 19-year-old who's lived a meteoric rise from ball boy to homegrown hero. I never got past the ball boy stage myself. A gent with an engine so unrelenting that we half expected him to run here from Red Bull Arena, where he currently has his childhood club, your New York Red Bulls, in the thick of MLS's Supporters Shield race. We welcome to the pod, live, in person, in the panic room, Oh, he's only the scorer of a winning goal against Mexico already. One of the U.S. men's national team young guns who will in time, God willing, help heal the pain of a dark night in Trinidad and Tobago. Welcome to the pod, the one and only Mr. Tyler Adams. Good to see you, Tyler. Good to see you as well. Thank you for having me. Oh, Tyler, it's a joy to be with you. It really is. What a rise you've had. Few others have tasted the success that you have as quickly as you have. When I think about it, I think of Scarface. I think of Bad Baby. I think of Baker Mayfield. Maybe they can experience what Tyler Adams has been through. You're 19, a starting center midfielder in MLS, a sudden U.S. men's national team fixture. You're currently coveted all over Europe. How does it feel to you? Does it feel like the culmination of years of hard work? Or does it feel dreamlike as if someone just flipped a switch? Everything has happened particularly fast. I feel like I was playing USL yesterday to making my debut for the U.S. men's national team in Portugal to the goal that you described against Mexico. Oh, I'm still dreaming about it. <laughs> it was a fun one. And tomorrow, hopefully, I'm getting a call going to the next national team camp. So for me, there's so many bright things that can happen and potentially so much more to come. But I think the most important thing is just staying grounded. Yeah, I mean, you and I share something. We're both waiting for a call tomorrow from the U.S. <laughs> men's national team. You say it's been a click of the fingers, but it has been. A lot of work, a lot of grind, a lot of sacrifice. You were born February 14th, 1999, in Wappingers Falls, Duchess County, New York, Poughkeepsie Way, right? Mm -hmm. Beautiful part of the country. 100%. A great water park there. Splashdown, USA. (laughs) Splashdown. That's where my brother works. I'm around it a little too often. (laughs) But yeah, it's a nice area, especially during the fall when the leaves are changing colors. We don't think of that area. Duchess County, Poughkeepsie, Mm -hmm. and this may change, this may change, you may be a pioneer, but we don't think about it right now as a place, an American place that's a hotbed for world-class soccer talent. Where did you first encounter the game and what drew you to it? My mom introduced me to the game at a young age when I was three or four, she signed me up for some intramural soccer and she was my coach. So <laughs> I had a fun time being on the purple team and wearing my purple number four jersey back in the days. What was the team, Tyler? They all had great names. Oh, that's a great question. Oh, I'd put five bucks. It was called the Purple Demons. Yeah. Nine out of ten. Or had something to do with like America. Barney, purple dinosaurs <laughs> or something like that. I remember her coaching my team and from that point on, I fell in love with the game. I think I tried t-ball before that and me standing still for more than 10 seconds just didn't fly with me. I was the kid picking dandelions out in the field because I was so bored. When my mom introduced me to soccer and I was able to run wherever I want, go after the ball, score goals, defend. I was probably slide tackling people back then. You've not changed much. No, that's the same thing as now. That's why I love the game so much. I could be myself and express what I love to do. 
pro T-Balls <laughs> loss. Soccer's gain. You were first introduced to the Red Bulls organization through their regional development school program mm -hmm. at the age of 10. And then two years later, you joined the Red Bulls Academy in their under 30 yeah. team, which necessitated from where you lived. And this is a remarkable American story and a, a, a common fact of life for so many young American players to compete. It meant that you had to do a 150 mile daily commute, an hour and a half each way. When I hear that, it's an incredible sacrifice. In the area that I'm from, there's no academy team, so I didn't have that. It's definitely more of a sacrifice to my parents, of course, that were really doing the drive. I was just snoring in the passenger seat next to them. But anyway, what's your mother's name? Melissa. God, Melissa. Yeah. She needs to be in the soccer hall of fame. She yeah. is an incredible human being. But what went through your head? Because that is a grind. That is exhausting. It was definitely a bit harder for me because a lot of the other kids obviously lived locally. For me, it was school all day, get back home at 3 o'clock, and we didn't have practice till 8 o'clock sometimes, so that would be in Rutgers. All uh, those Alexi Lalas statues <laughs> littered around campus. Yeah, I was then leaving my house at 5 o'clock <laughs> because of traffic. Wouldn't get down there till 7 sometimes, so maybe grab a bite to eat with my mom. Practice from 8 to 9.30. I get back home at 11.30 sometimes, and just repeats every day. So five times a week for a 13-year-old, it definitely wasn't the easiest. So what went through your head? It was more of a commitment thing for me. I think I'm just the type of person that when I start something, I have to finish it 100%. And they have the famous spiel about only maybe two players from each academy team will have the opportunity to sign professional. I was like, okay, so I'm going to be one of those two then. I want to be the best. There's no secret in that. In your head, there was yeah. never a doubt in your mind. There was never a doubt. It's something that I want to do, so I have to do it. Tyler Adams, I love your approach to life, your <laughs> confidence. God knows I need, we need a lot more of that. I know for you it was doubly special because you were a Red Bulls fan growing up mm -hmm. and an Arsenal fan, right? Yeah, Arsenal fan. Oh. Suffering. Ian Bradley. But is he also an Arsenal fan? Bradley Ray Phillips, yeah. God, the two of you. Yeah, I really he's do. going down with me if I'm going down. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, honestly, as an Everton fan, believe me, I feel your pain. But who were your favorite players as a kid? Were they American or were they European? My favorite player as a kid was Thierry Henry. TT. He's the man. I remember waking up at 6 in the morning and turning on Fox Soccer Match Report and watching his goals. And after school, I go back in my backyard and try to replicate his goals. It inspired me to have the dream of becoming a professional footballer. And then TT, Thierry Henry, yeah. he comes through the looking glass, uh -huh. moves to play yeah. for the New York Red Bulls. And part of the reason he made the move to the Red Bulls was because he'd heard you were a ball boy. Yeah, and you were like a ball boy for a number of his games. That makes sense, yeah. I what mean, was it like watching him up close? And what did it make your dream for yourself, Tyler? You're just in awe that a player of his caliber is playing for your hometown club where now every Saturday I get to bug my mom, we have to go to this game. And being a ball boy, whether it was trying to throw him the ball or get as close to him as possible, is something that you dreamed of every Saturday night. At that moment when you were ball boying, lobbing the ball back to uh -huh. him, were you like, it's going to be me in several years. Or you're like, oh, my God, I am close to greatness. The gentleman I've watched on the Fox Soccer yeah, Channel. More like I'm so close to greatness. But at the same time, I'm not far off. Maybe I'll have an opportunity to play with him one day. And I remember my first time when I got to train with the first team and train with him at the same time. And it was an amazing moment because to step on the same field with him, whether I was getting yelled at to improve on something or or no. two footed tackle by Dax McCarty. Yeah, either one. Me and Dax had our moments for sure. <laughs> nah, but Dax a great guy. I was just in awe at all moments. So at what point in your ascension did you realize, hang on a minute, I'm not just good for Dutchess County mm -hmm. by Splashdown Waterpark. Yeah. I'm not just good for New York City or the Red Bulls, but I've got a real future in this game. I'm filled with a true potential. When did that happen? Was there a moment? 
when my stepfather, Daryl, came into my life, my father, I call him, he's been such a father figure for me. Their family's from Scotland. Huge Glasgow Rangers fans. He had aspirations of being pro when he was younger, but it didn't pan out. He was the one that told me I needed to improve in certain areas, and he would go out and work with me on certain parts of my game because he really realized that I had a true potential to become a professional. You signed your first professional contract when you were just 16 years mm-hmm. old. It's astonishing. And you started playing for the Red Bull second team, the reserve team, yeah. essentially. For those who haven't had the delight of watching you play week in, week out, Tyler, how would you describe your style of play? It's a fearless player. Anytime I'm on the pitch, I'll do whatever I have to do to win, whether I'm going against Iniesta, Messi, it doesn't matter. I just want to win. The fearless attitude and energy that I bring to the field, whether it's breaking up plays and starting transition moments to go to goal, I like to do some of the dirty work that a lot of guys don't like to do. So You've got a relentless energy. Mm-hmm. It's what I really revere when I watch yeah. you play. There's like an American N'Golo Kante equivalent. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Me. I like that. For me, I think that kind of just comes from, first, all the sports that I played when I was younger, whether it was football, basketball, that kind of just started my competitive edge. You know, N'Golo Kante is just someone that I watch and study as a footballer in general, so it's funny that you say that, and someone that I aspire to be. Oh, so do I, Tyler. <laughs> so do I. In 2015, the Red Bulls played Chelsea pre-Angolo Kante Chelsea in the U.S. Mm-hmm. as part of a summer friendly. It was a Red Bulls team that because of fixture congestion, they filled it mostly second team players, yeah. young raw talents like yourself. You were 16. You took the field against defending Premier League champions, including Cesc, yep. Courtois, Eden Hazard, John Terry, and the Red Bulls beat them 4-2. Mm-hmm. You scored the second goal. It was a moment that I'll never forget. The idea that it's my professional debut, Jesse Marsh gave me a huge opportunity right after I signed. It was one that I'm not afraid to say I was nervous for. To step on the field with guys like Hazard, Courtois, you look around and you see a packed stadium of 25,000 and you're 16 years old. Yeah, you got to take a deep breath and take it all in. It was an emphatic header. Look it up on YouTube, listeners. One of the defenders who was just absolutely tied to the floor in astonishment was John Terry. It's a joy to watch. I may have only watched it 127 times in preparation (laughs) for this interview. But in the media, never read too much into friendlies is like a cardinal rule. But for you, after rising up to nod home the second goal in Mm -hmm. a shot win, which actually led to the beginning of the end for Jose Mourinho, (laughs) what did you mentally take from the game? I mean, the victory. Were you like, no big deal, just a friendly? Mm -hmm. Or were you internally leaving that field with a sense of affirmation I belong at the top level. I can do this. Definitely that I belong at the top level. The goal is always to play at the highest level. But for me, it was just there's another game against Benefica coming up, and I want to prove to them that I should be playing in that game as well. You want to compete. You want to have the same grind every day. And having that mentality from when I first signed is what I feel like has set me up to just keep grinding and keep going on to the next one. Whose jersey did you get after that? I kept mine. It was just a moment where it was like I scored against Chelsea and I want to take it all in. And my mom probably wants this one, so I'll give her it. She doesn't know anyone else. I've always wondered why did you not keep that own jerseys, your own memories. Uh But you have since proven you belong. I mean, I've watched you shut down Michael Bradley. Mm -hmm. I've watched you shut down Bastian Schweinsteiger. But when you look at game tape, what do you still feel you need to add to your game right now? 
shutting players down is one of my strengths if that's something I need to do and that's what the game requires. I want to add a couple goals to my game a season. I think that's really important. Whether I'm being the deepest midfielder who is spraying balls and getting better at that and connecting and breaking lines is something that I think I've improved on a lot this season, but it's something that I can still get so much better at. If I find myself in a box-to-box role like what I've been playing with the national team lately, creating some more final plays is really important because the best box-to-box midfielders in the world, whether it's Luka Modric, Nabi Keita, players that I like a lot, they're so good at finding that final pass and adding assist to my game. It's step-by-step for me. I think that you go on the film and you break it down and learning from someone like Chris Armas, who is such an amazing player for our national team and someone that you can kind of look up to and aspire to be, he'll be my biggest critic and someone that I can trust and really look up to. You mentioned the national team, because mm-hmm. it's not just at the club level that you've established yourself. You started as an underage player on Tab Ramos's under-20 team that reached the World Cup quarterfinal. Yep. You then became the, this is amazing, the first player born in 1999 to represent the full men's national team. And I'm in awe of that, I really am, because I want to be the last player called up who was born in the 1970s. But what, what was it like for you to make, <laughs> to make the U.S.? At that odd time when they just failed to qualify for the World Cup. When the team didn't qualify, it was gut-wrenching having close friends like Christian and Kellen that were part of that team. and Pulisic and Acosta. Yep, that missed out on it. It was tough because those are guys I respect a lot. Them having put as much effort as they did into it, it's exhausting and frustrating to watch because we do have the quality. But now I feel like we're just in a process where it's so refreshing to go into camp and be around so many other young players because we have the chemistry now and we've played with each other on numerous occasions and we're just so comfortable in camp. It's fascinating. You've arrived when there's no hierarchy mm-hmm. in that locker room. Yeah. I mean, the team culture is yours. Yeah. I mean, in the past, I watched young players inside that U.S. locker room. You had to pay your dues, mm-hmm. pay respect to the big dogs, yeah. Tim Howard, Clint Dempsey, Josie Altador. You had to kiss the ring. You right. really, really did. Mm-hmm. But you are suddenly, you're literally the face of the team already. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the promos ahead of the Mexican game, it was your face marketing yeah. the game. Is that surreal for you guys? Or are you just like, yeah, let's do it? It's not surreal. To me, it's just one of those things you have to do to promote a game. At the, <laughs> e- at the end of the day, for me personally, in my head, I'm like, I want to be the captain of the national team for however many years I'm in the national team. I don't really think that's a secret. It's just... I have seven caps to my name, so that's not really anything. I want to have a hundred-something caps to my name. So for me, continuing to establish myself and fill in a much-needed role within the national team is something that I feel like I'll be able to do. I did not know you wanted to be the captain. You say it's it's not a secret. I I watched you ahead of that Mexico game. You were interviewed Mm pre-kickoff. And I was honestly, I was blown away. And I may have tweeted about it by how composed you were ahead of that game. I think I I, I tweeted that I would like to be as composed and articulate as you are by the Mm -hmm. time I'm 19. But are you really that composed internally? Or is it like a duck, smooth on the surface, but kind of frantic underneath? You have your moments where you're a bit nervy, but you have to handle it in the right way. That's just something that I've developed and watched over the years of being in a good atmosphere with the players that I have around me. Bradley Wright Phillips being one of the best at it, where you take notes on what other players do and how they act. And Brad's one of the best that when it's game time, it's game time. It's like he flips a switch. And I think that up to the game, I'm very calm. I'm thinking about the game. And once it becomes game time, I just flip a switch and I'm ready to go and I want to go out there and win. I mean, it's not just you who's in this. It's also Cameron Carter-Vickers, yep. it's our mate Josh Sargent, mm-hmm. Weston McKinney, starter at Shelka, 18-year-old Tim Weyer, who you've known. Mm-hmm. Of course. Since you were 12, right? my boy, yep. Yeah, I mean, bar mitzvah age. What kind of <laughs> conversations 
are you having together? Are you on WhatsApp, all of you? We have a bunch of different group chats. Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, there's too much social media now. What's it like? Are you like, let's make it our team. Let's play so hard we never let the older guys back in. What kind of conversations are you having together? Definitely not a conversation where we're like, let's not let the older guys back in. But we know internally that this is our ship to sail. And I think that we're all on board with having the right attitude and right mentality. And I think that the biggest thing is that a lot of the young players now that are getting called to the national team are gaining great experiences with their clubs, whether it's in Europe or MLS. So it's nice to come into camp and all be on the same page where we're fresh, we're fit, and we're ready to go. In America, we are so desperate for greatness in soccer that we're often guilty of just hype. Let's call it the Freddy Aduification of talent. If it's not Freddy, it's Juan Aguadelo. We kind of put them on a pedestal Absolutely. from which the only way is down. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel that weighing on you? Uh, not at all. The biggest thing for me is that right mentality. And that's always been what's gotten me to the next step is not reading into certain things. There's going to be moments where you're going to be bad, but you have to live up to certain expectations. And if you don't live up to those certain expectations, then of course, people are going to be hard on you. You have a bad game, you have to learn from it and you have to improve. If you don't improve, of course, you're going to go backwards. But I think that I'm so open to criticism and knowing that I have to improve in certain areas and that I will try my hardest to improve in those certain areas that I'm able to get better each and every day. You talk about next step. As you are very aware, there's a lot of rumors surrounding you and your future. You know, a lot of talk that has you joining your former manager, Jesse Marsh, who's one of the coaches at Red Bull Leipzig in the Bundesliga once this MLS season ends. I've got to ask you, what is your latest thinking? Even when I signed my first contract, my goal is to one day play in Europe. I've had the talks with Jesse when he was first here or Dennis when he became sporting director that the goal is to play in Europe at the highest level. Where and when is the biggest question. My focus right now is MLS Cup, and then at the end of the season, I'll focus on exactly where, what the right move for me is. All you've ever known is New York. You're a son of whopping of fools. Mm-hmm. You're a product of the Red Bulls Academy. I mean, I'm sure you feel incredible excitement as you sit here. Is there any part of you that feels, and be honest any sense of fear no it's just excitement I don't even look at it and say I've succeeded in MLS I feel like there's so much more I could do in MLS but whatever that next step is it's just another challenge you want to prove to Europeans and everyone else that looks down upon Americans that technically don't rate them high enough that we can do it and it's not just Christian that's able to do it it's not just Weston there's so many more players out there that can do that Tyler you were once a Red Bull ball boy you watch with reverence as the Red Bull players, as Thierry Henry charged all over the field, you are now one of those Red Bull stars. I mean, I watch you week in, week out. You're surrounded now by a dozen or so Red Bulls ball boys mm-hmm. with big dreams of their own. Yeah. What's your advice to them? My brother was once a ball boy for one of my games because he plays on the academy. And I remember him throwing me a ball for a throw in and it was one of the weirdest things ever. So <laughs> I feel like I'm speaking to my brother right now, but it's all about the mentality. You have to go into practice every day with the right attitude. You need to prove to your coaching staff that you're different from everybody else. It's not just what the coaches want you to do. It's your routine off the field as well. Nutrition is important. So many little things like sleeping well and having a good time when you can have a good time, but really being a true professional, even when you're not a professional is what separates you. I once asked Michael Bradley what he dreamed about. And he told me he dreamed of being a big player on a big team, making big plays in big moments, in big games, which I heard as meaning he wanted to move to Everton Football Club. <laughs> but when, when you shut your eyes, when you shut your eyes, Tyler, uh-huh. and you dream of your future, mm-hmm. honestly, what, what do you dream about? 
winning trophies. At the end of my career, I want to look back and be known as a winner. No matter what club I'm at, whether it's Red Bulls, I won an MLS Cup. Whatever his next step is, I won a trophy. I won Champions League. I won World Cup. Of course, you dream of making big plays and big moments. Me scoring a goal against Mexico is not something that I dreamed of. It happened, and I happened to be in the right spot at the right time. But winning that game is what's on my mind, and how to set guys up to succeed is what's on my mind. I want to have the effect that when guys play with me, they know how badly I want to win, so they try to win just as bad. And I think that it's kind of a trickle effect, and I think that... That's something that if every player can have that, then you're a winning team. I feel like if you don't go to sleep at night and you're not thinking about winning trophies, then what is there? Tyler, you've already won today in part because I'm a very negative, cynical, pessimistic man, and you've made (laughs) even me feel optimistic about the future. Tyler Adams, Godspeed. Thank you.